Today, we venture into the first episode of a new series where we discuss the careers of some of the film industry's biggest names. Welcome to Career Breakdown. This week's subject, Christopher Nolan. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. I am, of course, your host, Ryan. Who's with me this week? Let's see. We've got Joel here, as always. Joel, what's good, buddy? I was doing fine all day until Cameron decided to wear the same shirt as me. Which I know he's going to say. I actually picked it out first. first, But that's actually not true because I had this shirt packed in my bag since last night. So technically I picked it out first. You wore it first, but I had it packed (laughs) out since last night. Who got the the shirt first? He did. Me. And I also technically. He got him a discount on his. He I bought his, but with his money. <laughs> yeah, with my money. I gave him because he pulled out his card, and I like snuck my card underneath and like gave it. Cameron to him does and... that. Cameron does that all the time. He won't let you pay for stuff. That's true. Well, I mean, if I'm well, being completely please. honest, like I was, I wasn't necessarily gonna buy it for him. I mean, I would have, sure, but like I was He's just gonna, gonna pay like, and pay for it, and then he'll just right. Venmo me or whatever. Yeah, but. yeah. Cameron's one of those people. Like, hey, hey, I got this. I do. <laughs> I um. Which is crazy for a guy with one job. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I know I don't have a good personality, which is why I have to pay for my hey, friends. Hey, hey. I, 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 I pay for I we pay. Hey. Say it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up now, but I'd like my rate increased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but Cameron, you are here this week. Yeah, so funny story, uh, obviously. We were it's not that funny. Well, it's not that funny. <laughs> it's not that um, funny. <laughs> So I was not supposed to be here. Obviously, we talked about and we made a big deal of my surgery, <laughs> uh, which, by the way, the genre geeks, I felt really bad listening to their episode because they're like, Cameron's having open heart surgery. And I'm sitting in my bed like, <laughs> oh, no, they, they'll understand. Those are um, those are our buddies. They get it. Um Long story short, I was supposed to go in for surgery on Monday, um, Sunday. I had 102 fever. I was getting sick all day. I was having, (laughs) I was having hallucinations. Um, It was really bad. And the doctors were like, yeah, we're not going to do surgery on this guy when he's going through these symptoms. So uh, my surgery has been pushed back a month to September 27th. So with that being said, I'm going to be here for the next few weeks. And then after that, we can go into me not being here. And jo- and then, you know, Joel and Ryan can go back to the previously scheduled stuff. And now I, I'm back and I screwed up their whole schedule. They're like, God damn it, Karen, why'd you get sick? Yeah, so that's that schedule that we had. A different theme park today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That schedule that we had completely planned out. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I am back. Uh, also... Part of the reason why we're kind of doing a little bit of a different episode today is we didn't have time to kind of plan a movie out and everything. So, uh, well, plus this is something that uh, been, has been on our radar yeah, in some yeah. capacity for months now, and it just this seemed like the right time to do it. It's like, hey, uh, we have him again for a couple of weeks, and we're trying some new stuff. And, and yeah. I mean, I think August 29th was always the target date for this episode. Is that right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Recording wise, is it? Uh, it was like, I, do I? Do you know something I don't? <laughs> I don't remember that. I'm in all of our production meetings, so I. I 
I'm I not. I might have forgotten. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, you're barely here for the episodes. He <laughs> can't wait to get out of here. That's true. I someone was actually listening to. I had a friend who was listening to the podcast because uh, they Finally. saw that. I was, <laughs> I was I was gonna say that. All right, and they were they were they were listening to. I think it was the Rise of Skywalker episode, and they're like, uh. "When do you talk?" And I was like, <laughs> "I do." Cameron's like a Cameron's like that guy on your basketball team that he starts the game and like he puts up points early on, but but he gives it everything he's got in the first half of the game. So in the second half, he's just completely washed. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's <laughs> a really good analogy. Yeah, that's him on the podcast. He's like, like, he's like the Denver Broncos. <laughs> All right, that's you don't gotta disrespect Teddy like that. <sighs> QB one, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, for QB the one. record, we were undefeated in preseason, and we did not allow a single touchdown. Okay, well the Packers so, are undefeating in the preseason, and we're gonna have a hell of a better season than you guys. Probably fair, yeah. Well, that's okay. I didn't say anything about seasons. I just in said it, preseason. I, so Joel, must. How many quarterbacks do you guys have this year? <laughs> Zero. Do you have Trevor Seaman on the team still? <laughs> no. No. Oh, okay. I don't even know if he's in the NFL anymore. Football is going to be interesting, you know, like because Joel's, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers' last year in the NFL, so it's no, it's his last NFL. year. NFL, it's his yeah, last NFL, year on the Packers yeah. until he comes to the Broncos. Right, the last he's gonna, dance. Yeah, he's going to retire. What did he did that interview the other day? It was like, yeah, if uh, if we didn't work out some sort of deal, I was just going to retire. It's like, were you though? <laughs> like, Makes sense. Think, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, how is he just really going to... I feel bad. Is, he's really just going to do Brett Favre's career? I feel bad for Aaron <laughs> yeah. Rodgers because he was the most talented quarterback. Is. Uh, he is the most no, talented No, I disagree. I think Patrick Mahomes is more talented. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a more talented player, but as like a pure quarterback, Rodgers mm-hmm. is more talented. I, I still disagree with that. I think Rodgers... That's, that's your, I, that's your that's niche. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. you do. Guys, that's what you do here. sports too long. We're going to start losing people. No, I... Yeah, I... <laughs> that's a good I, point. I think Aaron Rodgers was the most talented quarterback we had ever seen in the game until Patrick Mahomes came in. And I'm really sad that we didn't get to see Aaron Rodgers win more, uh, win more Super Bowls. It's the same thing that happened with Peyton Manning on the Colts. He just didn't have the supporting cast. And it's uh, sad because they're the best quarterbacks to have played at their times. I mean, yeah, the, he just got hurt towards the end, too. Honestly, the reason Peyton Manning didn't win a lot of Super Bowls with Indianapolis is because Tom Brady was blocking him. So they would lose to the Patriots basically every year Yeah, in the he playoffs. had the wrong first name. And the Steelers. It was the, the Steelers and the Patriots every year would go to the Super Bowl during like their, their prime years, except that one year in like 06 where they snuck through. Um, but we can talk about these yeah. people because because the, they're people all like pro- what the they're, hell they're on they're on TV all the time they're in commercials we can talk about them. That's true. Patrick, Mah- Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers have commercials. And Peyton Manning's in movies. So what movie uh, was he in? He was in Ferdinand. Who? Peyton like, Manning. The like the animated movie. Yeah, with John Cena. That's not true. You're making yes, that no, up. Yes, no, I, I swear to God, movie. Peyton Manning was a voice in that movie. Yeah, Joel, you you sure saw the movie. Was in that movie, because I think I remember thinking, "What the hell?" Because <laughs> <laughs> like it's like one of those voices where you're like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> this is that, Peyton Manning." Uh, that sounds like Peyton Manning. Well, yeah, because he's not one of those. He's not a talented voice actor that can like hide his voice. Like, oh yep. yeah, that's, oh, that's yes, Peyton I Manning. I remember which character he was. Now that I see the name, his <laughs> he, name was Guapo. He played a character. Peyton Manning played Peyton a character. Manning. Named Guapo. Played a character named Guapo. And here's what it looked like. Actually, here's a picture of him taking a selfie um, with the character that he played. And no, for you folks at home, this is not a costume. This is him taking a selfie with an animated character that's standing. I feel him. like it's incredible. I feel. I feel I like Guapo Peyton needs Manning. needs to be like an official mascot for Peyton our show Manning. now. Look at him in the voice booth. 
This guy's a professional. Peyton Manning is a fucking pro in I everything that he does. He's so big, funny. Look how big the forehead is. On this, I on miss this the board. NFL without <laughs> Peyton Manning. I really do. He added something to the league. Just Wait, th- hold on. What? What? You said I miss the NFL without Peyton Manning. Yeah. No, he misses it. Yeah, he misses it with Peyton Manning, I think is what he means to say. Oh, That's what you right. meant to say, right? Sorry, that is what I meant to say. I'm sorry. Because I, I wasn't sure what you actually meant. Yeah, no, yeah. I miss the Peyton. I miss the NFL with Peyton Manning. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I just sorry. want more commercials with Peyton Manning. That's all yeah, I want. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's my it's favorite be, part of Peyton Manning. Like, Brad Paisley together. <laughs> it's like <laughs> when, uh, you know, when Tom Brady leaves the NFL, it really is going to feel like a different. It's NFL. one of those situations where it's like, and I'm sure you guys probably feel the same way. Ryan and I probably feel like this. I, I know I feel it a ton in baseball and especially more recently yeah. in hockey. But it's going to be one of those things where it's like when Tom Brady leaves and be like, oh, I'm uh, I'm old, old now. Old, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that hurts. It, it hurts when that happens. Well, it's crazy to see, like, players that, like, started – while we were, you know, growing up, mm-hmm. already retiring, right. like the but, fact that, like, I, I saw the, you know, the a football life for, you know, Megatron was on the yeah. other day. I'm like, that that's a that's a it, that's a separate case because he retired super early though. Yeah, I know, but still, like, it, like it's crazy to think that, like, we have. I I, I think it's really crazy. Like, I feel as a fan of football, so lucky to have watched Megatron play football. You know, the guy was an absolute beast. I feel lucky to have been able to watch Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Brett Favre and like all of these people, <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I as a fan of football, that's just exciting to me. Like, um, I, I mean, I've obviously seen so many baseball players in, in every sport, but go through their entire career. But like, I think of somebody like Adrian Beltre, who started the league yeah. at the age of 19 and like that was in 98 i was already four years old and i literally watched this man's like a whole career you know and now he's gone mm. he's been out of the league for i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this man's now. whole career yeah <laughs> so it's weird it is when those guys go into the hall of fame like it's like oh shit like yeah. well <laughs> it was really weird when um i think it was sam darnold when he started because uh, when he started in the nfl he was the youngest player to like ever start he was 22 years old and that was the first time oh i get it. i had yeah. seen someone who was younger than me yeah in the nfl and i was yeah. like what the actual hell i cannot uh, imagine honestly, being in the nfl at this age honestly it changes how you watch the games yeah it does it like kids. makes it feel different yeah, yeah it's definitely a little weird i mean and what's crazy about it too is like and, and i don't know maybe maybe you guys don't feel this way more so probably Cameron because you're more my build, Ryan. You're you're actually a bigger build, right? I'm a tiny little scrawny dude. I'm but I see boy. these guys that are like 23, 22 years old that are in, yeah. you know, Major League Baseball and they're just like massive yeah. and jacked and it's like yeah. if I didn't know if I didn't know this guy from being a Major League Baseball player, I saw him on the street and be, "Hi sir, how are you today?" Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. he's like 10 years older than me or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Instead he's 10 years younger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, it's shit. Um, it is crazy right. how much older these people look than me, and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, they're 22, and I'm yeah, almost yeah. 25, and it's like, yeah. Well, thankfully, none of us look that old. Thank God. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that you're 42 this year, and you still look like you're like 27. He looks yeah, great. I look, I look the same age as you guys, so. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, what else can we talk about in the NFL? 
We're just going to not talk about the topic of the episode. <laughs> no, we should get into it. Cause I do have a draft this coming Friday. I can't wait to take Aaron Rodgers first round. I, um, year. I officially quit fantasy football this year. Nice. I quit. I did that a couple years ago, and I, it was crazy how much my life improved. <laughs> I, that's what I hear from it, it really was. Yeah, that's what I hear. Um, yeah, I just uh, it was time. I was I can't watch Saquon Barkley. I can't watch me p- keep Saquon Barkley in my league and get hurt See? again. I, I mean, just this is another great example. I mean, Ryan's career in fantasy football started when I was just a kid, and I mean, he's already <laughs> retiring. And it's like me a, and Ma- me and Matthew Barry were in the first league together. Yeah, yeah it's like crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm right, wearing um, a I'd like a refund hat. Nice, Thank you Cameron. For, yes, for I that. think Ryan has eyes, and I, I know I do. I just and, want um, everyone to know that we support. Yeah. I wore it for the we movie support, We support ourselves. Uh, yeah. Okay, just to let you know, we uh, we care about our show here. Yeah, yeah, I wore it to the movie theater today. Nice. Um, I know Eric just got his hat. Uh, shouts to Eric. Whitney was wearing her hat. Whitney was wearing her hat the other day. And everybody's Kevin got him. will have his hat by next week. There you go. That'll be everybody. Mm-hmm. Why is no get... one else buying hats from us? These Whoa, aren't bought. These we are, give we yeah, oh these we gave these guests. away. Yes, yeah, these, these are guests on the show. Yeah, uh, this is what okay. happens when you don't go to the production meetings. Yeah. You thought all these people bought a hat? Yeah, I thought people <laughs> liked us. <laughs> they do like us. They come on our show. I know they're so sweet. Yeah, honestly, you guys are so sweet. Shout out to all the guests. Yeah, all so sweet. Us. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Shout yeah. out to our booking agent who got all of our guests for us. I'm an agent. Okay. I am. That's my job. Okay. Okay. It is. <laughs> okay. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. Do you, would you like to close the sharing circle, or would you like to keep going? No, we can. We can close. We can talk about our main. Okay. So oh, do we have a question? Uh, my main is usually Ike. It used to be Fox. Um, I don't want to talk about wow. mains because this reminds me of League of Legends, and I have a very bad relationship yeah. with that game. Well, we're talking about Smash Bros. So I know Smash we're talking Bros. about Smash Bros. Captain but Falcon, in League Gang of Gang. Legends, you still say main. And oh, actually, actually, I think we already talked about this because we determined that Cameron's main is Zero Suit Samus. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's my main. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That uh, Zero Suit Samus and Sheik. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that checks out. Um, okay, what's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Camera was that kid that when you he's had like, the he's like the why does Zero Suit Samus still kind of have a suit on when <laughs> when, uh, when Zelda would do the transformation to Sheik he's looking very intently to see if he can see anything mid transformation oh you were that God. you were that kid weren't you oh you were that my kid God. <laughs> Jesus Christ um, yeah we should probably we haven't even told everybody what we're doing this week no um, but I think they can read what in the title the title yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, we, let's right. just do a whole episode where we don't tell them what the topic is. And we if they didn't do, read it, that's their, their fault. We just put, like, episode 52. <laughs> Featuring <laughs> with Cameron Tennyson. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the, we need a I'm the guest this week because I wasn't supposed to be week. here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where's my refund hat? Oh, never mind. You're wearing it. <laughs> yeah. You made a point to tell us. Yeah, yeah. I did make I gave, a point to I tell gave us. you one just like everybody else. I know. I even have my sticker somewhere. I'm pretty sure you have two. He does have two. I have yeah. two, yeah. We we each have two. We all have uh, two. And all the guests have one. 
Okay. I just want to show it was you the that weirdest hat. way to hold a hat. It was. He's like, he like held it like a like a lion holds yeah, a cub like a, in its like mouth. Like a cub. Yeah. 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 That was, I was weird. Say a puppy, but yes, yeah, a cub yeah. is a better description. Oh, that man. was funny. Uh, do we do we have to talk about our topic this week? This is going great <laughs> we so just far. Talk about whatever. do we have a question? Well, I mean, or? to be completely honest, uh, well, I didn't prep a question for this episode. No, we don't need it for yeah. this. Okay. Um, but I mean, to like thinking about it, Ryan and I normally talk quite a bit throughout the week, but mm-hmm. I've been very busy. He's been very busy. Yeah. Cameron, you weren't even supposed to be here this week, so this was all kind of thrown together last minute. Yeah. Like I've we've all hardly talked this week, so it, it's, it's true. I've I actually talked to Ryan quite a bit this week, honestly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but yeah. <laughs> so like, okay. Well, Joel, Joel, you told me you were busy all during the week, so I didn't. Yeah, no, you. I've been loaded this week. You oh, were working. I mean, I and you were working yeah, all those extra care. days. I know you don't yeah, care, I don't but care. I, I also worked a crazy schedule Ryan's this week. Ryan's too nice. I told him that the other day. I said, "Stop being so nice." Mm. That's what everybody says about me. Yeah, Ryan, stop being so nice. God uh, damn it! I'll start being a fucking asshole then. Okay. okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Finally, language. now you'll get somewhere. Now, nah, finally, yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, all right, let's actually get into this then, because uh, this is actually a topic that it, this was a podcast idea that I pitched a while ago, um, where we're basically going to, you know, Joel, you can attest to this. I think Cameron's probably heard this as well. We've had plenty of people that listen to our show tell us, hey, I love what you guys are doing. I love the premise of the show, but I would also like to hear your opinions on things that you guys actually like in the industry. Mm, yeah. And... You know, that's obviously the the guts of our show is what makes us stand out from other shows is talking about those movies that nobody else wants to talk about. And we're obviously going to stay with that because regardless of sitting through some tough times for two hours, it's a fun, fun time reviewing the show, movies and doing the shows like that. But in terms of something that we want to try for like a, some type of like running series that we're going to do from time to time here, instead of taking individual movies that we're going to talk about that we like we're going to take people in the industry that we want to talk about and do like a broad look at their careers and what we think about their standing and what they've done what they're going to do things like that so it could be a director a writer an actor a cinematographer anybody that we want to pitch to be in this running series that's what we're going to go with and it's something down the road that even our guests could our guests like or our listeners, people on our socials can pitch people they want to hear us talk about as mm-hmm. well. Plenty of options for going forward with that. Um, but the first person, and I wanted to do this person because we had Cameron back, um, and I knew that he wouldn't have to do any research for this one, so oh, it'd be very, no. it'd be very easy for all of us to do this topic. We're well, actually, Cameron. Why don't you tell us who we're who we're going to talk about this week? We're talking about the one, the only. Christopher Nolan. Oh, oh no. Wait, what? My show note has Paulie Shore. I have Renato <laughs> Falcao. I was like, wait, what? Did I mess something up? Jeez. I was like, I wasn't in the production I meeting. Don't, I don't even know who to... What name did you just say? Renato Falcao? He's a cinematographer from Ferdinand. <laughs> wait, what? Ferdinand has cinematographer? Yes, believe yeah. it or not. And this isn't a bit. Animated films have cinematographers. It's true. They're people, too. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Roger Deakins did. What was it? One of the Pixar Rango? films. Well, I yeah, but he did one of the uh, one of the he Pixar did Pixar movies as a as a consultant. He wasn't the DP, but mm. he was a consultant. Um, I don't remember what it was though. Anyways, but we're talking about Christopher Nolan. Yeah, um, he's important to me. Yeah. No, I mean you've touched on the story a little bit as to. Your, I guess we could call it a relationship with him. <laughs> well, you know what mm. they say. 
Me oh, no, and Chris. It's your, you're supposed to tell us what they oh, said. Oh, oh, okay. It was Wally, and also he did How to Train Your Dragon. Um, oh, so, I could see I could see that. So the Chris set, and I. The set design for both of those movies is incredible, so it makes sense that Deacons would be a part of that. So Chris and I actually go way back to 2015. Um, so fun fact about, you know, the... Obviously, so how this is how the surgery fits into it. Uh, so, I actually qualified for a Make a Wish. So I did a Make a Wish, and my Make a Wish when I was uh, I made the wish when I was like ooh, fourteen or fifteen, and it didn't come. We didn't actually get it fulfilled until I was eighteen, because that's how celebrity wishes work sometimes. And my wish was to meet Christopher Nolan. Um, what year so, did you What year did you say you made the wish? Twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. No, sorry. No, uh, I would have been 14 or 15. So it would have been when uh, like, like 20, <laughs> 2010, 2011 was when the wish happened. Oh, uh, okay. And then well, I guess it I would was, have probably been 2011 or 2012. I was trying to see where his filmography was. Because it probably time. would have been after. It was after the, Inception. It would have been. I think it was probably after the. Yeah, Dark it was Night. probably after Inception. Oh, uh, yeah, because Inception was 2010. Yeah. Um that I made that I made the that I made the wish and then I saw him in 2015 and so obviously uh Interstellar had just come out um around that time well I know because we talked about Interstellar um and you know so it was a really awesome experience uh I, I that was funny enough we did a tour of the Warner Brothers lot um it was the first time I was on the lot and uh, it was kind of surreal when I was a tour became a tour guide because it was like, oh, hey, I did this on my Make-A-Wish or whatever. Uh, but we had lunch with Christopher Nolan. Uh, it was about two hours. Um, we were in the executive one of the executive rooms in the commissary. Um, it was him, uh, his wife Emma Thomas, uh, who produces all a bunch of all all of his movies. She's a producer, um, and and my family and we talked for two hours it was a awesome experience super super wonderful guy i mean we were only scheduled an hour with him um but he gave us another hour i mean he kept you know talking with us and you know they came in and they said do you guys want dessert and this was after we had been there you know for an hour and a half and he was like oh yeah let's get dessert for everyone um and uh, you know, he's English, so he had uh, berries and tea. That was his dessert. Um, Not and berries and cream? <laughs> no, berries no and cream. cream. Berries and cream. Uh, I but, love berries and cream. Um, super, super wonderful experience. Um, I mean, it's very surreal to be talking to someone who is such a... I mean, no matter what, because I know there's lots of opinions about Christopher Nolan. Either, like, some people really love his movies, some people really hate his movies. But... Um, He's a master. Are there, pe- are, there, are there people that hate there his are, movies? There are people who don't like his... Um, I can understand maybe not thinking he's as good as... like Maybe thinking he's a rung below where he like is kind of ranked, but thinking that he's like his movies are bad is very off base, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I would say that there are probably people who aren't fans of his movies. I can, um, okay. But I think overall you have to... N- no one can deny he's a master of his craft and he does something that no other director does in Hollywood right now, which is make big budget original films that make money. Um, and, and so it's, it's really, it is really surreal to talk of. And, you know, I, per his request, um, 
I'm not allowed to, you know, talk about the exacts of everything that we talked in there uh, about in there. Cameron got um, the whole plot of Tenet explained to him while he was there. <laughs> no, it was and he, a, he, and was he actually, still doesn't understand it. No. He was working on <laughs> no, still don't understand that. He was working on Tenet and Dunkirk when we were um well when we when we were with him. Um but um you know, it was very it was very cool. I mean, we talked about talked about TVs and like, you know, the the motion blur on TVs how they're set to like 60 uh, hertz automatically and it's ruining, you know, the way that kids see TVs because they come on uh or they cu- they come with like the setting automatically on and stuff like that. You know, just like stuff like that we talked about um, you know, he has kids and so his wife and was talking to my sister about, you know, the Divergent and Hunger Games series. It was it was a really awesome experience where it very much felt like a conversation with friends rather than like this weird like you never know what the dynamic is kind of going to be in that kind of situation. I especially, mean, I was 18 years old. Yeah. Especially considering, you know, you know, I want to talk out of school, but like your sister's make a wish that she did kind of it's completely opposite spectrum. Very different. Yeah, yeah, it was very hard for her to do the one that she did. Just so so everyone knows, my sister also has uh, heart disease, and uh, so she got to make a wish too. And just just so everyone, we specifically said, "Hey, my sister and I will choose a joint wish. That way, we don't take up two wishes." And they told us, "No, we yeah, have to do our. They, they have to. We have to do our." They own won't one. let you do that. I yeah. used to work for Make a Wish, and there it's. Oh, did you? Specific. I didn't know that. Right? I did. Yeah, I was an intern. Um, oh, nice. When I was in college, um, so it was when they were just starting. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, they're very yeah for for an organization that prides itself on like doing nice things for other people their rules for like submissions and things are actually incredibly strict yeah like you have to be very like very detail oriented but i get it because a lot of people would try to exploit them yeah and like and like we weren't definitely weren't trying to game the system or anything that's why we offered like hey we're not trying to get two separate wishes we can do ours together but they're like no you guys each get your own wish i don't know if i don't think you ever told us that if you had to do it together do you know what it would have been um, we probably would just ask for like a Disney cruise or something like that. Oh, wow. Very <laughs> different. Like yeah. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like a trip or something. We're like, can we meet Christopher Nolan and in, <laughs> insert name here yeah. <laughs> at the same time? Yeah. No. Yeah. My sister met Taylor Swift. It was a very different experience. It was a meet and greet. We hung out with Taylor Swift for three seconds. <laughs> um, and my sister was kind of like, well, she had done my make a wish with me, uh, you know, a year before. And actually, I think they happened in the same year. We had asked for it. We had, yeah, both of them happened in 2015. Um, and mine happened in April. Hers app happened in October. And so it was, she, she was like, oh, well, this isn't as fun. But she ex- you know. well, after going on yours, she yeah, it was, it was different. Something. You know, yeah, I get that. Um, but it's hard because Taylor Swift is literally one of the most requested make wishes. And. I was the first person to ever ask for Christopher Nolan. Are you serious? Yes. Wow. So, um, yeah. No wonder he spent so much time with you. He was like, nobody ever asked me to do this. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, no, it was, it was was super awesome experience, but yeah, so that's a good point, Ryan. We, I was the first one to ever do a make a wish with him. So, uh, yeah. Cause I guess yeah. most, cause most people, most people do make a wish are typically pretty young. It's not very often you have an 18 year old doing a make a wish. 
No. I mean, it also just depends on like when, when the when their medical issue arises yeah. as well. Yeah. So it kind of varies, but no, you don't have like adults doing it. So no, no. It's almost like you just made the cut, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, we yeah. did, and so yeah. But that's how I have a that's how I have a connection with Christopher Nolan. Uh, I'd love to see him around Burbank and be like, "Hey, uh, it's good <laughs> seeing you again." <laughs> What if, Here, if, he rem- if, he re- if he remembered you, what would you, what would you, I would cry. Be? I would literally cry. Yeah. Uh, I would not do it in front of him, obviously, <laughs> but I would go somewhere else and I would cry cause that would mean the world to me. That's cool. Um, that's a nice story. I have a follow up question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Christopher Nolan film do you absolutely hate the most? I don't hate any Christopher Nolan movies. No, you have to pick one. Yep. I hate. Yeah. You have to pick one. I don't have any that I hate. No, you have to pick one. Yep. What are you doing? ah. It's mandatory. (laughs) I'm just being a dick because it's funny. You tell us this nice glowing story about Christopher Nolan. I just come in like, yeah, why don't you critique him a little bit? Um, I guess I'll say Insomnia. Oh, wow. Is that one not count? Does that one not count? Do I have to choose? All right, well, you know what? Since that one doesn't count, why don't you go your second most hated one? And why don't we'll just keep going like most why hated Insomnia count? Because <laughs> no, he doesn't. didn't write. Because he didn't write it. I'm thinking just as a directing standpoint, so I would count it. But he's he's directed everything. He's written everything else. He's directed. Do you not want to count it then? That's up to you. Because like, yeah, he I think that's a- weird to not. Because like, I'm thinking of this. I, I mean, I guess we didn't really specify. I was coming into the conversation specifically thinking, like, from a director aspect. I knew we were going to talk about, like, obviously his yeah. writing. Like, you can't avoid that. Um, but I was specifically thinking of this in terms Cause then, of like, director. Because then, like, cause then are we saying that Man of Steel is a Christopher Nolan movie? Oh, no, because he didn't direct that either. But he's got a story credit. So, like, why does, like, one yeah. is one well, I'm thinking over director, the director. I'm thinking, like, direct writer, but writer, the, director kind of I, how, let me Let me rephrase what I said because I get the way I worded what I said is not really how I feel. Like, I don't know, like, I will count Insomnia because... Absolutely. Because he was a yeah. major role in it. If you, yeah, are yeah. The, if you are the director of a film, you are playing but, a massive part okay, in the film. But no, I no, understand but, your point, Cameron. Like, yeah. It's, it's the only film he did that he didn't also write. It feels vastly different from all of his other movies. Because it doesn't have his typical... His typical kind of Christopher Nolan flavor. That movie's I still think that movie's good, so why do you think I said I don't want to pick a bad one? <laughs> hey, you said it. You said you hated oh Insomnia. My God. So um You know, Cameron, I know you have that personal relationship with Christopher Nolan yeah. that makes you such a big fan, but you are not the only massive Christopher Nolan fan on the podcast. No, here. I was gonna say. Joel, why don't you tell us a little bit about Christopher Nolan? Yeah, I met him at the Hollywood Bowl, and I only spent like four seconds with him, so it was a lot different. <laughs> um, and then I saw him at work one time. That's also true. I was at yeah. work with Christopher Nolan. That's what I like to tell people. Yeah. You guys worked at the same location. We worked at the same place. Yep, um, for at least a day. At least a day. That you definitely, know of. Definitely more than that, yeah. Yeah, at least a day um, that you know of, yeah. No, uh, my first, my first little venture into Christopher Nolan was Batman Begins um, which at the time like I you talk to me now about film and stuff like that and it's like I am you know I mean you guys hear how we talk on the show we all know a lot about the industry about mm-hmm. the behind, behind the scenes the who does what the who directed this who wrote that if you talked to me when I was in like middle school or even like my freshman year of high school I could maybe list like 10 directors you know what I mean and 
So when I saw Batman Begins, I had no clue who, who directed it, you know, who, who did what. I, I bet Cameron couldn't name ten directors right now. Okay. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He couldn't uh, he couldn't say their names appropriately is probably more along the lines. <laughs> yeah, that's the better question. That's yeah. the better way of I'm wording like, it. Spike Le <laughs> <laughs> Speak A Johnze. Yeah. Well what's it uh, he's got well he's got the he's got the fake name that he uses to yeah. uh check into hotels, so you can uh, who knows what his, who knows no, his real I, uh, name is? I yeah, so that was like my first venture into Christopher Nolan, and then of course the big one that really was like, hey, this is who this guy is, um, was when I saw The Dark Knight, and that was just like, oh my god, like that just blew my mind. And then Inception comes out two years later, and just holy crap, that was when I was really like, okay, I gotta I gotta really start paying attention to what this guy's doing. Yeah, you know. And then we get Dark Knight Rises, of course. And Interstellar was the first Nolan film that I was like looking forward to and had followed the production like right. from the get go. Yeah. Um, which, as we've talked about on the show before, is my favorite Christopher Nolan film. I don't think it's his best, but it is my favorite. Um, and yeah, I just, like Cameron said, he's the fact that he's out here directing things that are original and massive budgets is just so refreshing. Obviously, you know, he's done the dark Knight trilogy and that was an existing IP, but you think of films like, like tenant obviously didn't do what he had hoped it would do and what Warner brothers had hoped it would do. But you watch that film and it's like, who thinks of this? You know, who comes up with this stuff? And you think of the same thing with inception and, and even with interstellar, and you even see him go do something like Dunkirk, where he's telling a historical event, but he still tells it in his way. He does his his typical non-linear storytelling that it's like, who else is going to tell a war story like this? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just it's super impressive when you go and watch something like that because you you see the premise of the film and it's like I've seen war films time and time again, and yes, you know they're they're all different and they're all good, but it's like Dunkirk was told in such a specific and deliberate way that it was like. No one else had done that before. And it took something that easily could have been insanely boring and made it just heart pounding, literally heart pounding. There's, you know, a heartbeat in going through the entire movie, a clock ticking through the whole movie. And it's just like your, your heart is racing the entire time. And you feel like you're in this, this situation with these characters, as opposed to watching it from the outside. Yeah. I think, um, you said that you said that your first film was Batman begins, right? Mm-hmm. I think Sorry, Ryan. I, I I was I had a thought process that yeah. I wanted to. I just just answer my question real quick. Then, what was the first Nolan film that you saw, Cameron? And then you can then you can go on. Oh, it was Inception. Um, that was the first one. Yeah, it was the okay. first one. Mine, mine was The Dark Knight. Gotcha. Um, Christopher Nolan is. You saw The I Dark mean, Knight before Batman Begins. I did. I didn't see Batman <laughs> Begins. I f- yeah. actually feel like that's not I think that that's, rare. Yeah, I don't think it's uncommon, yeah. but. Just, um, well, because the Dark Knight was just like a phenomenon. Yeah, it, it, it was. Um, it was a phenomenon that I had that I didn't take a part of. Um, I accidentally did. I, <laughs> Christopher. I mean, I had always enjoyed movies, but like as far as like directors go, and like knowing who a director is, mm-hmm. it wasn't until Christopher Nolan mm-hmm. that that was something I paid attention to. He right. was the first one that got me interested in what does a director do what you know what oh they command like how the movie is made they're like you know the the conductor essentially if you know if we're putting in like musical terms they're they're in charge of everything (laughs) um and and like 
I, I remember seeing the trailer for Inception for the first time and thinking, oh, wow, this is really cool. Um, and then going and seeing the movie with my dad and walking out of the theater and just like having my mind just blown and not in like a sense of like, oh, my God, that movie was insane. But like the idea of what a movie, what emotions mm -hmm a movie could even bring yeah you know it truly transcended what i had understand i know i'm sorry like i know this no, is no, no. Sounding i'm laughing because you said transcended and he produced oh, yeah. transcendence Trans um i'm just i'm sorry if this seems hyperbolic but like it legitimately no. changed how i viewed what a movie could be and it, it like it got me legit i always enjoyed movies i'd i'd wanted to work in when in movies since i was a little kid but like this was the like i saw this and i was like oh my god this is like literally life-changing like no, really I mean, I much like, like could, so much so like i feel like i could agree with you on that because like i said i i saw obviously i saw you know batman begins and i saw dark knight but when I saw Inception, I think you put it in the perfect terms, which was like, oh, this is what a movie can be. You know, and obviously, like, before Christopher Nolan, and, and still to this day, you know, my favorite director is Steven Spielberg. And growing up as a kid, he was the one director who, like, I knew who Steven Spielberg was. I knew what his movies were, and I knew, like, oh, he has this new movie coming out and this new movie coming out. Um, so, obviously, like, I had my ideas of, like, oh, movies can be this and movies can be that. But then I saw Christopher Nolan and what he did with Inception, and that really kind of turned the tables for me a little bit in the sense of, like, okay, like, it doesn't always have to be as straightforward as everyone else is going to be doing it. Like, you can take risks. You know, it wasn't necessarily in the sense of, like, oh, look what how he does things, but, like, look at how he is not afraid to do things differently than other people mm -hmm. do it is more like kind of how I interpreted it. And... Yeah, I mean, I think that was a very, a very game-changing film for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like, yeah, I think the way you described it is, is, is kind of perfect. You know, the, the kind of the effect it can have on people. Uh, yeah, and I think like you know, we look at Inception, and um, I mean, it's crazy because it's crazy because so much of Christopher, so much that Christopher Nolan does everyone else tries to do mm -hmm. and you know we i was gonna about, ask i was gonna ask you that is there a director out there that maybe tries to mimic his style i feel that i don't know if i would say a specific director but you see his movies are incredibly influential in the in the in the same way that we see you know people taking like what martin scorsese does and you know attributing like taking things that he you know the uh the voiceover in um goodfellas um the um you know his narrative structure the um and a, a lot of his movies the anti-hero and taxi driver um all of these little things that he does in a bunch of his movies you you see especially after those movies come out pop up in a bunch of different other movies and try to kind of create the same feeling very influential right i i feel we see that quite a bit with christopher nolan i mean look what the dark knight did to the superhero genre i mean dc was trying to literally 
copy and paste exactly what he did in the Dark Knight to, you know, a bunch of their movies, you know, with Man of Steel and, you know, a, a, a bunch of their movies, try to replicate that feeling. And we're never able to get there. You know, we saw that we, we saw that with a bunch of superhero movies. Um and then, like, look at what Nolan does with time and how many directors try, you know, try to do something with their stories of that. Even, even, I mean, even if we're just talking about, like, set pieces, how many rotational set pieces have you seen after this, right. you know, yeah, the hallway true. scene in Inception? Did you really see any before that? No, but they're everywhere now, right? It, 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 he really, people want to create, try to recreate the feeling of or you know the stuff that the the techniques that he uses in his films um and that's not a bad thing i'm not saying like oh you know people shouldn't do that that's not a bad thing um he's just incredibly influential um you know he has his strengths as a director he also has his weaknesses um but you think what do you think are some of his weaknesses Oh, I mean, anyone will tell you exposition. Exposition. I mean, it's yeah. it's very obvious. Uh, I love I love Inception. I think, I you know I I remember I remember prepping for um. I remember prepping for my meeting with Christopher Nolan. You know, I had like my lists of you know stuff in the notebook that I wanted, and like I remember telling him like I like in my mind I was saying I was like you know you made the best movie ever you know you, Inception is the best movie ever like stuff like that, um, and I love Inception, but I go back and rewatch Inception, and like having seen that movie so many times, those first like 30, 40 minutes are pretty hard to get through. Like, they're very, like, oh, well, this is this, this is this, this is this, this is this. Oh, this is a totem. Oh, this is a dream. Oh, this is a architect. Oh, this... It very much is, like, oh, well, we have to, you know, they put it in a safe, and it's in the safe, and this has the thing that we need. And it's very... And um, and that's the movie I can kind of... I've seen Inception more than any of his other movies. Um, and some of them are better than others but like especially with tenet right tenet was kind of the worst that we've seen with exposition and tenet in general just does not make like joel made fun of me i cannot i do not understand a good portion of that movie like it it hurts my head just thinking about the scene where they're like the two rooms are looking at each other i have watched that scene so many times i still have no clue what is going on i know that i like it and it's very cool <laughs> but i don't know what is actually happening i do not understand the mechanics of it can i can i ask you a question yeah you say that you like it but you don't understand it mm -hmm. if a different director had done something similar in a film do you think you would have maybe been less inclined to just kind of seemingly give it a pass? Be like, yeah, I don't really get it, but it's cool. I like it. Like if, if just like if Ben, like, yeah, I, I get what if, you're if it had been, yeah, if it had been somebody, because you are like, I don't want to, I don't want to call you out, but you are a Christopher Nolan fanboy. I would argue both of you are to some extent. Um, and me can being I touch the, on me being the casual bit? fan, yeah, please do. And Cameron, you can you can butt in if this is not how you feel. Um, because like that's a solid point, Ryan. Like mm -hmm. I, you're, it's a completely valid point. I think where my mind accepts it is the fact that we've seen so much from him in the past and know his storytelling that when I see something like that, 
whether it's something I understand or don't understand, in my mind, I know it was very deliberate and very well thought out. Mm -hmm. And that at the end of the day, there is a reasoning for it, even if I don't understand it. Okay. Whereas sometimes I may see other directors attempt something like that and it doesn't work and it doesn't make sense. But it's like, well, does it even make sense, period? Or is it just me? You know what I mean? Now, Tenet is... Tenet is tough. Like, yeah, is, Tenet's a hard is, one. Yeah, well, yeah even hard. the even the actors don't understand yes, it. Yeah, the, the actors said they they read the script however many times and filmed the whole movie and they still don't know what's happening. <laughs> Robert Pattinson. It is a very hard movie to understand, and yeah. I think I understand it like from a very base level. Like I understand Inception, it enough, and that's yeah, what exactly. you have to do. Like Inception, I walked out of it. and I was like, yes, I understood that. Mm-hmm. And then each time you watch it, you you pick out you more. Get more you know, yeah. To this day, I'm still picking out things, and I'm like, oh, cool. You know, but like Tenet, I've watched I think four times now since I've like <laughs> since it came in theaters. I think I've seen it actually five times, maybe twice in the theaters, and then three times since. And every time I'm like, I think I'm in the same spot <laughs> as I was at the beginning, maybe yeah. a little more confused. Um, but anyways, long story short, I think it gets a pass in my mind because of the fact that I know there is probably valid reasoning for why he did this, and it probably does make sense. I'm just not understanding it. Whereas with someone else, if somebody else did that, I may question the the intent behind it and it's funny that you say that because the one thing i know about you is that you're a big when you when you go into a film you are a big expectations guy like this is what i expect to happen if i expect it to be good um and it's good great if i expect it to be bad and if it's bad it doesn't bother me so you're a big expectations guy going in so i get where you're saying that where like with nolan films you just expect there to be moments that are made i don't want to say like over your head but just it maybe moments that you have to think about moments yeah you yeah about, you know, cri- like critical thinking role. moments yeah. i think yeah. i think what joel is saying so to answer your question i like to think that i am unbiased and i would watch a movie and i would disagree i like no I, not, no disrespect well, no, i know I, I know and i and that's why i say i would like that you don't let me finish i said I'm sorry i would like to think that I am like that, but I know that I'm not. You yeah, didn't let me. Not. You did. You didn't let me finish. And you're so, right. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Hand up. That's on me. But um, but here's what I will say. Kind of going in, Joel. I I wouldn't have thought of this if Joel didn't bring it up. So this is, um, I know for a fact that Christopher Nolan puts a lot of time and thought into his films. Oh, I don't doubt that. Um, no, and, like, so when we're talking about, like, the mechanisms, right? Um, I don't know if you guys... There was a... There was an Inception... Um, they turned it into... I mean, it was a screenplay, but it was, like, a novel, right? It mm-hmm. was, like... Uh, and it had in there interviews with, you know, Nolan... Jo- uh, Jonathan Nolan um, mm-hmm. interviewed Christopher Nolan, and there were, like, images and... Uh, there was this one image that like I sticks out to me, and he had the entire story with the different levels like graphed out. Essentially. Oh yes, I, I know this. Image. You know, you know the one, right? Yeah. And it's like the amount of like the amount of time and like like to like he spent. I mean, he Inception from the beginning. Uh, funny, from the inception of the idea to uh-huh. release, it took ten years for him to make, right? Mm-hmm. And um. And it's funny because it, I, again, uh, I guess I'll, I guess we're talking about it. One of the things we talked about with him when I when I had lunch with him was this thing of plot holes, because the one thing you will hear plot holes when talking about Christopher Nolan movies more than any other ty- any other directors, um, 
and this was something he said he said buy movies people look and he said they re- like they're like i have to find the plot hole he said he said the issue for me is like when he's like when someone watches inception one time and they're like oh i see a plot hole in it he's like i spent 10 years with this movie i think i understand the way it works more than someone that has watched it once or even right. twice or even three times does that come you know? off a little pop does it come off a little pompous when he says stuff like that no i don't no? think so and again okay. this isn't a thing that, that i think is just because him and i are you know cameron and i are both fanboys but it's like like, this isn't a shot at you, Cameron, but it, it's. I know where this like is going. It. I know where you this know, is going. You know where this I is know going. This is going. When Cameron says all the time, you know, like, oh, I don't, I don't understand how the director can make this choice, and it's like, that, that, that statement kind of goes back to where I'm thinking, like, it's hard because I know where you're coming from when you make those statements, yeah. Cameron. Like, I totally get that, and like, there are times when I think to myself too, like, I don't understand how they could have made this choice. But then I have to remind myself, like, this person didn't just do this. Like, they spent years prepping for this. And it wasn't like they just thought, oh, let me throw this shot in there yeah. on the willy-nilly. Like, there was there was intent behind it. And that's why I find it hard sometimes to critique things because it's like, I'm not the one who spent years working on this. I'm not the one who's being paid to do this. So going back to that statement, I think it's totally fair. And, you know, and especially like Karen said, 10 years, like – that's that's typical for an animated film but when you're talking about a live action film you've got people sometimes that are only working on films for maybe four years yeah you know and so for someone to spend 10 years on a film and then have people who've seen it one time try and say like oh well they they screwed this up you know it's like it's kind of like well yeah and and i like i know that you know especially like with critics it's their job and stuff like that but um I don't know exactly where I was going with this, but I, I guess going going back to your your question, Ryan, um, maybe if I mean I think I think if another director made Tenet, I still would have really enjoyed it because it's I, I mean there are moments, but like that's the thing, right? You watch a like that's that's the crazy thing for me. I know my voice just cracked there. Um, uh, that's You're embarrassing. Uh, that's the thing. Even when watching Tenet, even after seeing the reviews weren't as good as, you know, Interstellar, Dunkirk, or Inception. The moment where he steps into the world that's going backwards. I had, he, he, moments in his movies, I can't remember the last time I felt excited about something in a movie like that. He creates these moments in these worlds that are so exciting to um to ex- uh, experience for the first time it's incredible was tenet a perfect mo- was was it filled with a ton of exposition yes was it maybe a little bit of a uh the plot super convoluted and a mess yes was that a moment where i literally got goosebumps and was like i cannot wait to see how the next half hour plays out absolutely and i cannot think of another director whose movies consistently give me those moments i like um, tarantino i think it, you know i like it when he has his dialogue moments cool i like spielberg spielberg movies are fun i like jordan peele but there is not a director out there that gives me that moment that feeling every single time where i'm just like holy shit i am in this for the ride for the next hour hour and a half and it just always has those moments there's not a director out there that does that right now 
And I think that's why I'm such a massive fan of him is because of the fact that, like I said, Spielberg is, is my favorite director. I don't think that's ever going to change. And I was going to say no. that he he's the one that I would argue is in that same camp with Nolan. It's just that his more recent films don't fit that. But and he was, do, was, he was doing think, that like 20 years ago. Right. What Nolan is doing now is what Spielberg's early career was like. Right. Every exactly. single movie he came out with had these moments that you were just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it, and I was... Like, a, like tra- they call it like trailer moments, basically. Right, and I was going to kind of, if, you, if you're okay with this, Ryan, and, and yeah. thank you, Cameron, I was going to sort of use this as a transition because one of my biggest things about Christopher Nolan, and Cameron, you just you summed it up so perfectly right now. Cameron, I've never been more sympathetic on an episode <laughs> before. Um, we needed it after it your is, guys fighting the Emoji <laughs> movie last time. It's, it's a spectacle every time you go and see one of his films, mm-hmm. and that's what's so exciting about it. Like... To, to use Tenet as an example, because like we said, it's it's kind of been hit or miss with a lot of people as opposed to his past films where they've been mostly hit. And I see them blow up the same building, one moving forward in time and mm-hmm. one moving backwards in time. And you see that happen. Like that visual stuck with me for like weeks until mm-hmm. I saw the movie again. I kept playing that over and over my mind. And I was just like, holy crap. Like I just saw that happen. You know what I mean? And, and like you said, Cameron, the first time we see him go and he's moving backwards in time and the way his, his his feet are walking and the birds are flying backwards and it's like what you know when he drives the car and it's there's all these things that it's again for me throwing the the, the the way the story is out the window the things that i'm seeing happen on screen and knowing especially that these things with christopher nolan are practically done you're crashing a 747 into a building. Mm-hmm. You're, That's a good point. You know, yeah. you're flipping a truck in the dark night. You're flipping a semi truck. The they're in, f- in, they're fucking flying this damn airplane, you know, and dropping an airplane and, from the sky. Yes, it's like it, it. The things he does are just so incredible, and it's. I hate to use this word because this does sound a bit pompous, especially with everything we went through this last year. But his films command to be seen on a big screen because that's the way they should be seen. I'm not going to – again, it, it sounds so pompous for me to say this and especially me speaking for him as the director. But it's like you're going to tell me that they just went crash this 747 into a building and you're going to watch it on your phone? Like I'm sorry, but screw that. That, that, that's It's ridiculous. You know, like you, you want to see this in the biggest format you mm-hmm. could possibly see. Like it, it, this, it deserves that, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not saying that other films don't. I we all agree. We think every film should be seen on a big screen. Obviously, some that's what they're ma- that's what they're made for. Yeah, yeah, obviously, some it sucks because it's like, well, I paid for that, you know, which is kind of in turn is the basis of this show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's like when someone puts this much dedication, this much work, and and it's not just him. You know, you have every single person that's on that crew is working so hard to make these big stunts happen or these insane stories happen. You know, it, it deserves to be seen in the best way possible. And it's such a cop-out and a cheesy thing to say when people are like, you got to see it the way that the director intended it. And it's like, I say it as such a meme thing sometimes, you know, but it's like... At your core, at you believe day, it. It's it's true, you know. It's like they, yeah. this was made to be seen in a specific way. And if you can, I think you should see it that way. Yeah, and I, I think the thing with Christopher Nolan is no matter... And, like, this is every time we see a Christopher Nolan movie we are seeing the absolute peak of technicality of technical work with the peak of 
concepts and ideas. And those two things are melded together. And it happens... And Christopher Nolan really does push what we th- what we think you can do within the realm of filmmaking on from a technical ass point, uh, um, from a technical point. There it um, is. Ass point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. ass, I was going to say I was saying yeah. aspect and point at the same time. I yeah. said ass point. I was um, thinking. I was like I, yeah, I very confused because you said that. I had to like stop ass and point. think. Ask, uh, and yeah. somehow in my mind, aspect. I was like, yeah, that's a word. No, yeah, as aspect. <laughs> like yeah, that works. And point put together. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, I feel lucky every time I get to see a new Christopher Nolan film. I, I really do. And I think one of the biggest thing, one of the things I'm most sad about, um, is that I was not able to see Tenet in theaters. That's very sad to me because that movie begs for a theater. I mean, it literally begs for a theater, and I. But you know, of course, I still enjoy it at home. But I, I'm, I'm. It's sad because that is the one. I mean, I was so excited to see that movie in theaters. We were freaking at Warner Brothers when they were filming it. Yeah, we saw the. You know, we saw, we the, saw one the, one of the sets. sets. Yeah, one of the sets. We saw it all the time. Um, I, I used to work outside of it like every day. Yeah, and like I was so excited to see that in theaters. I didn't get to see that in theaters. It was a bummer. But, um, I, 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 I mean. The, Every time you go see a Christopher Nolan movie, you hope to experience something, and he always del- talk about delivering. Uh, he always delivers always. on the expectation. No, no, no. But name a time Christopher Nolan has not delivered on the experience. Uh, Dunkirk, I would say maybe. You're gonna say he did not deliver on the experience. I mean, the gunshot goes off at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, everyone's everyone. Yeah. everyone in the theater flinched. I mean, I guess I you could talk me into that one. I I had I don't think the Dark Knight Rises delivers though. That the Dark Knight Rises is that one kind of bothers weaker, me. But I think the reason the Dark Knight Rises is so lackluster is because it is part of the Dark Knight trilogy and came after the Dark Knight, and that was not going to be. Beat. I I see. No. I still think I still think the Dark Knight delivers for me, or the Dark Knight Rises delivers. I it's fine. I think it's okay. I think it could have been better. There are elements of it that I was kind of iffy. About. I ain't like. Bane's death still pisses me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to Mr. Nolan about that, and he said at that point it didn't matter. Bane didn't matter anymore, and I don't necessarily agree. Again, it's his story. Yeah. Cameron walked out of the lunch. Um, he did. I don't. Knocked over his berries and cream and walked out. You know, I don't necessarily agree as a fan. I did want to see, you know, this. The fact Our that he got be the it, yeah it, it, it they it makes it feel like the last two hours we spent with this character Nolan Void is like oh well, he doesn't matter oh he okay, got well, shot by Catwoman yeah. and it's like yeah okay and kind of what you're saying Ryan if this was another director would I be going yeah, in more exactly. on it probably like, that's my point yeah like you that's, know that's the big thing I want to take away from this discussion is part of that's the, the thing you want to take away from this well, you're like no, the, they're biased I really just want to complain about you guys no 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 no, no. <laughs> I want to I want the big takeaway to be like I am also a fan of his work but I acknowledge that I do I'm not going to say he's not a bad director. Not it. Not at all. I think he's a very good director. I, I don't think he's. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on him as a writer because, I know we we you know we talked about the lack of exposition for a while and we talk about you know he 
you know, it just may not make sense to us. And, you know, maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm just not catching some things in his movies, but I don't know. I feel like when, and I know this is going to, this is going to be a hot button topic because I know one of you is going to strongly disagree with it. But when you make a movie, he's one of those directors that doesn't make a movie for the fans. I don't feel like, and I, that's okay. That's if he good. Doesn't do, that's yeah, if he, perfect. But not in the sense like it's a fan service movie, but like he doesn't make it. I, well, how's the what he may, I, I I guess he I'm makes tr- it for him. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. And you know, and that's what I, I know want. for a fact that. Well, I know that he, take it take how he approaches the sound mixing, right? Everyone, Tenet, Interstellar, they were you know big controversy which was i always people... thought was weird with interstellar tenet yes tenet was tough but yeah. interstellar and that's not just because my favorite um, I, I just you know sound mixing was a big topic a big controversial topic with that uh you know people saying oh i can't hear the i can't hear the dialogue and stuff like that and, and i'll admit uh watching tenet with subtitles is a much easier experience than yeah um but christopher nolan has you know said that's how I, you know, he's ba- basically basically said, "Fuck you." This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, and you know, and it's his artistic you have, choice. You, and, you have to respect it, and to an extent. Um, and I think I, you know, and I think what's exciting is that he is making the movies that he wants to make, and this is what we're getting. Right? These are not for the fans. These are what he's making for himself. Because I think I think it really is incredible to. I mean, just think just think about tenant as an idea it is absolutely bonkers and insane and it the movie makes no sense right it, like watching it through the movie barely makes sense and like i i think i mean obviously when we talked about tenant uh, we mentioned this but this i when i was watching this with my dad and sister we literally had to pause the movie and talk this talk things out to figure out exactly like okay just making sure we're all on the same page and we know what's going on here because I don't thi- it's very confusing i don't think it's the only film in his repertoire that fits that bill like memento has moments like that prestige has moments like that inception interstellar not to that think, level yeah. of tenant but it still has those moments where you're questioning what you're saying now in my personal opinion i love that in a movie where it makes me like backtrack like wait a minute how does this work how did this i think that's great i want to watch a movie that makes me think about the entirety of the movie throughout but i think with the casual movie going fan and i don't want to speak for them because i don't consider myself one of them but just from like putting those lenses on i would i guess what i guess my overall point here is that i feel like he's a niche director where he doesn't his movies don't work for like the mass public i I feel i disagree i feel i feel like tenet is the first one that you could maybe argue that um so take for example and again i like i i know we've talked about this and i know joel is going to say the same thing uh when we talk about inception i know everyone's like oh that movie was so confusing i was never confused with inception that's not me trying to like brag but i just didn't think of it as a confusing movie i thought it was a complex movie and i thought there were a lot of things going on and as it was happening i was like oh wow this is so cool but like watching inception it wasn't confusing right i understood it at when i walked out of the, i understood it as it was happening i understood it when i walked out of the theater right and obviously going back and watching more the complexity you know showed its teeth even like oh my god like oh wow this is insane i can't believe this you know and it's something as joel said every time i watch it i will still watch it and get something new from it and i think it's complex i think 
Tenet is just confusing. And I think it's the only Christopher Nolan movie that I would really say is confusing. Um, It's uh, it's also complex, but it's just flat out confusing. Would you agree, Joel? I think the thing with Tenet is that, to go back to what you were saying, Ryan, you said Memento, you said The Prestige. Both of those films have those moments as you're going throughout that make you think and like, wait, what? But... At, yeah. the the milvi- at the milvi- at the end of the at the end of the movie, it, it all clicks. makes sense. Yeah, it all yes, makes sense. It all clicks back together. Whereas Tenet, the end of the movie happens. You're like, what? <laughs> and <laughs> I think, yeah. And I think the thing again with those other ones, there are moments there, like you're they're complex and like you you have to think through the things and you kind of, but it's like you like it happens, and you're like, oh okay, well like oh I get this now kind of thing. Or Tenet, it's just the entire thing. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> what is actually going yeah, yeah, on yeah. right now? And it's you like, don't you don't get time to think about it because it's on to the next thing. Yeah, right. It, it's just like it's very quickly paced. Like Inception, you were talking about the the exposition. It's like Inception gives you the exposition mm-hmm. beforehand, and then shows you it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Tenet is like giving the exposition as it's happening, mm-hmm. and you're like trying to keep up. You know. Um, yeah. Well, Inception sets you up for the rest of the movie in the first forty minutes, and that's why right. that's why it's you know it's needed. And after that first forty minutes, then you can enjoy the, the rest. You're, of you're the on movie. the ride. Yeah. Yeah. You have the context. You know how the mechanisms work. You know. You know the whole train thing. You know the the totems, all of that stuff. Um, where you know tenant, they're explaining. It, the, you're they're, in the third act, the, and they're still explaining. They're things. still explaining <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're explaining things that are just happening. You're like, well, can you go? Can you also go? It's like when you're in class and like you're doing like math problems and you don't understand like the third problem, but you're already on the seventh problem and you mm-hmm. raise your hand like, wait, can you go back to number three? I still don't understand it. That's what it was like watching that movie. And again, I enjoyed that. That was a good time. But that's how it felt watching Tenet is that it felt like he's the only person in the room that understood the movie that he was making and wasn't willing to concede at moments to try and get not the casual person but even people working on the film with him wasn't willing to concede certain things to make it make sense to more people and hey it's it's his film it's his prerogative to do that um but i think it's something that should be talked about in terms of his Mm -hmm. films it's just that i don't think he's a director that's for everybody and that's okay that's totally fine because there's tons of directors that are like that he just happens to be one of them but he's also one that makes those like those must see films that we were talking about earlier. Like he, he is entertain. Like, mm-hmm. Oh no, he's appointment viewing his movies is what I'm trying. I, to I, I understand the criticism for tenant. That's like the one movie I will, of his movies. That is the one where I completely, I don't, I don't think it's his worst movie. No, I don't think it's his worst movie, but yeah. it's the one I under the criticism is 100% valid. And I agree with yeah. the criticism, but I still like the movie in spite of the criticisms that they have. Yeah. I to kind of touch on what you're saying, Ryan. You kind of just touched on it right now, but like, we all have casual movie going friends, you know, oh, yeah. friends who may, maybe they see a lot of movies, but to them it's just that's just it's just that you know they're just seeing yeah. a movie. If they, if um, they they walk in, watch the movie, walk out, don't say anything about it. Yeah, and so for me, like, I know a lot of my friends when the new Nolan movies are coming out, they will text me and ask me like, hey, like. Not not necessarily to explain to them, but like, hey, what's this one about? Like, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I just saw the first trailer, whatever it may be. And it's his movies always get people talking, you know, and the average moviegoer may go see a movie. And how do I word this without, like, trying to make it sound like 
like I'm saying other people, you know, aren't thinking as complex, but it's like avid Joel's movie like, fans. Me as an intellectual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, avid movie fans and and not just, you know, people to our level and people above us and, you know, but even people that maybe are a little less into it as us are used to seeing all kinds of films with very differing layers of complexities. You know, and you have you're so used to seeing that stuff that it doesn't it's not always like a shock to you when a movie is like this. Whereas if you have just kind of the, the everyday movie fan who they're just seeing, you know, the most recent popcorn flick, you know, maybe doesn't have the most in terms of substance and story. It's just a fun, entertaining movie. They go and see something like this and it's like, OK, well, hold on. This just changed the game for me. Like, what did I just see? I need to talk to somebody about this. Yeah. You know, it changes from what you were saying, Ryan, where it's just like, a, yeah, I saw this movie and I'm leaving. And it turns into a hold on like. I have to talk to somebody about this. So they start talking to their friend. Oh, you haven't seen it. You got to see this. And now that his movies, his movies, a lick discussion. Yes. And yeah. mm-hmm. I think that's one of those things that not to say you're wrong, but like how you were saying, like it's not necessarily built for the general public. I almost feel not that it's built for them, but that the general public appreciates it in a, in, in a way because of the fact that it, it gives them that type of film where it's like, Oh, like this is something very exciting and kind of different for me. Yeah. And I want to talk to somebody about this, and it gives them that, you know, yeah. like Cameron said, an experience. It's an experience yeah. to go see one of They films. naturally elicit discussion. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and like think about the discourse of Inception. People are still talking about they the are. ending That's of true. Inception. Yeah. It is kind of the, I guess you could say, like maybe cliche now, but like that is the ambiguous ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If someone yeah. asks you what it like if if someone asks you what is the most ambiguous ending I think 9 out of 10 people their mind goes straight to inception. Any anybody that saw inception would probably say inception. And it is the perfect ending. I swear. I don't know if I've walked out of a theater as what is the word I'm looking for? Um it's a great question. I, shit. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Nice. Um, Nailed it. Starts with an S, I think. Satisfied? Thank you. Sublime. Uh, Okay, I'll I'll redo that. I don't know if I've walked out of a theater as satisfied with an ending as I did with Inception. Yeah, the ending... Yeah, like, the question is, of course, you know, was the top going? Was the top... Uh, <laughs> was the top going Did, was it you know was he in a dream was he in real life but like the fact of the matter isn't that's what i think is so incredible about inception is that and what makes it so successful is that it doesn't matter yeah it literally does not matter yeah it's a talking point and yeah it's something to think about but for the purpose of the story it doesn't matter and I think that's incredible. And Christopher Nolan obviously has his, you know, has issues when it comes to his writing and has his weaknesses. But as a storyteller, that has to have been one of the most exquisite endings I've seen and satisfying endings I've seen. And you have absolutely won as a storyteller when the whole is your character you know is he in dream is he it it doesn't matter because the story itself doesn't need for that to matter because he's 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 with his family and it has the emotional and you know when we talk about and like this is one of the things that christopher nolan struggles with right emotion 
right? Yes. It's it's part of the reason why I don't care for Interstellar as much as you guys do. What? Which I think is baffling. That is the most emotional film. I'm sorry, Ryan. That is bonkers. I don't think think he executes it. No, you're you're wrong. I'm sorry. You know how I am. I'm not going to say that you're wrong. Oh, okay. I will. I will for you. I I massively disagree. That's totally Uh, fine. That is his most emotional film. I don't, I don't feel any emotions I, when I see. see other, other than the McConaughey watching the videos part, I that part. Oh, I get. the ending! Did the ending not crush you? No, not really. Oh my god. Okay, that's no. that's fine. That's fine. But like, I don't understand why he just doesn't care about his son at all. I don't really get that. So, so, so. Okay, so I, 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 I acknowledge that I just could be wrong about this. I've only seen it one time. I, I acknowledge that I need to see oh. the movie again, but just off of the you surface, saw it in the theater, right? I did see it in the theater. Yeah. I. So I think I think it's important when we talk about Christopher Nolan to recognize his weak points, right? We've been talking about how incredible of a filmmaker his, he his is. Knees. Yeah, um, <laughs> because he he really is exceptional, and like I said. Um, he is my favorite director in Hollywood uh, as cliche as it is I know it's like the film bro thing um, but his movies just excite me I'm, I will not apologize for it um, you don't have to his everybody's, got, are, everybody's got a favorite director everybody's got one I, I get so psyched every time there's news of a new Christopher Nolan movie I remember when they announced Dunkirk for the first time and they said they it was just the name of it. I was like, "Oh shit, this is awesome!" When they when they released the trailer for Interstellar, that was literally just NASA footage. Yeah. Um, you My, know that first Interstellar trailer, absolutely like yeah, with the with the voiceover and like you said, just NASA footage. Yeah, it was like I was sitting outside of my film school watching it on my phone with my friend, and we both looked at each other and we said, "We're in," <laughs> like we're in, you know. You know, but he has his struggles, and yeah. you know, one of the things that he struggles with is. Um, you know, writing women. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. They're barely in his stories, and if they yeah. are, they're typically just the object of the yeah. man. And I would like to know, see him. I would like to see him direct a female-led film. Yeah, I want to see what he can do with that. I, I don't know if I don't know if now, any of his movies have passed the Bechdel test. Honestly, Ooh, can I, I ask you guys something really quick? Yeah, and this is do. something that I that I actually can't, it it popped in my mind recently. It's a thought I've had for a while. But, you know, we talk about, like, the Bechdel test and, and stuff like that. I, and you guys are both writers as well, I find it very hard sometimes to write a female character because I simply do not have the female experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so not to say that it's an excuse for people not to write a female character and not to be able to have these female characters, but I do think that's where a lot of this stems from sometimes is yeah. that there's this fine line of, okay – do I attempt to write a female character, get it completely wrong, and then have people maybe having issues with that? Yeah. Not just women, you know, just audience in general, having issues with the way I wrote the female character. Or do I write what I know, knowing that I can do this correctly? Mm-hmm. You know, you can still have female characters. You're just maybe not going to have them be as deep as your other characters are going to be and as worked out write this write this way because this is what i know and just kind of deal with the flack of not having attempted it you know what i mean like where where do you guys feel that the yeah. that the line is drawn there because like i said i think it's i think it's this tough spot that a lot of writers get put into because if i were to go try and write you know a a screenplay where i'm writing a 
female you know character who's from a completely different town or country like like it's i'm not going to write that correctly yeah like i i just simply do not have that experience and know what that is like so i don't feel comfortable writing that character you know yeah i mean you you bring up it's very interesting you know that we that we kind of get to this topic because this is something i'm looking at you know <laughs> in dogman right um where i'm just like you know, getting to the part, you know, where he... This podcast's not ready for you to talk about <laughs> No, man. I know. I really don't think it is. Uh, but getting, you know, to the part where he meets his, his love interest and and um, thinking about, you know, when I introduce her, I'm like, well, shit, how do I... How do I make it so that this movie is not just, you know, about the typical, like, oh, woe is me as right. a, you know male kind of thing and like how do how do i create these characters and you know female characters and you know i and again the bechdel test is even the creator of the bechdel test uh well says that it's not like an end-all kind of no. thing right it's yeah, just like I, it's just an idea and so and it's I'm, not like i'm looking through his filmography and no none of his films passed the bechdel yeah test. it's not it's not because it's two women always talking about men it's because two women never share talk. scenes together yeah they never i think in the prestige they might share a scene with scarlett i don't think i don't think rebecca hall and scarlett johansson share a scene in that i think movie. they do but they're talking about since when are you saying scarlett johansson to be different um <laughs> and yeah yeah i don't think that there are two women that's the issue is that there aren't two <laughs> you can't rub two you know if you don't have two sticks he just together, doesn't he just doesn't rub. cast he doesn't cast them yeah so which is you know, in in some people's eyes is a flaw of his it's yes definitely um i think that's maybe i well i don't think i know that was one of the things that maybe people well i was a little bit excited seeing um Oh man, is Elizabeth Debicki right? Yeah. Um, in the trailer for Tenet, thinking, oh, we might have a you know a um a, a strong female a strong lead. female lead, and no. um, not no. obviously was not not the case. Good the character, case here. Good not character. the case though. And, you know, and when we're Joel, when we're talking about writing, you know, I think it was a step for him, right? He tried. Mm-hmm. Did he succeed? I you well, know. I mean, I mean, Ellen Page and. Uh, in Interstellar, uh, not in Inception. In Inception uh, Elliot, yeah. please excuse me. Yes, yeah, sorry, Elliot, I just saw the name on the. I just saw no, the name no, on the good, list. You're good. Yeah, um, it wasn't um, like an attack. Yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> you're good. Um, um, no, yeah, for sure. Um, that was a good character. Um, but like then, Elliot, uh, Elliot Page still exists in a world where everyone else is a man. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. within the, it's world the same of thing. It's the same thing with Interstellar. And Interstellar's got two strong female actresses in it but they don't interact yeah and while chastain's character is like a very good character i would argue maybe the strongest character in that film um and hathaway's character is not good in that so i think i think the answer i have joel is i think as writers and as artists um especially when you're at the level that christopher nolan is at is at um i can guarantee that he has access to female writers, women artists, who will be able, who can and would contribute to mm-hmm. helping create stronger female characters Yeah, in his movies. And I think when it comes to, you know, as writing what you know, yes, 
when it comes to us, yes, write what we know, but we also have, I think as writers, it is our duty to at least try if we fail that's another thing but at least try Mm -hmm. to create characters that are accurate based off of some sort of um collaboration Mm -hmm. with other artists right and we we see this uh, you know i think one of i think one of the biggest and this is something i saw and i'm sure we've all seen but you know i I I, um, minored in creative writing. And so I think one of the biggest things I saw, especially, you know, going to um, a school that, you know, is very, the school was very white, but it was also very liberal. Um, And there's kind of this like wariness to try and write a character that is different than how we identify because of the fear of being offensive or writing something that is incorrect and offending. Um, and one of the things that my professors you know, said is we, like, we're literally writers. We write characters who are different than ourselves. If we are writing, if we are writing, if I am as a white male and writing only white males, that's boring as a as a uh, my stories are boring right it's just the wrong approach it's the wrong approach and and so to not be scared to try writing characters that are different from me obviously in all of our characters we're putting a little bit of ourselves but when we do that we need to have we can't we can't be reckless about it right we can't be reckless about it and so it's our job to go into those things with care just like we would care about any of our characters, right? To have that care, and and so I I, I guess the, I guess the the point I'm making is is like yes, it is hard. Like it is, it is hard to write. You know, it, it can be hard to kind of write these characters with different point of views from our own, but that's what writing is it's writing from points of views that are different from our own and that's what makes stories interesting of course with those other people that are you know different right if i'm right if i'm writing you know uh you know a latinx uh woman um i have to be careful with you know and i have to do my my research and obviously collaborate with artists who identify uh and you know close to the character that i'm making but i'm also putting a little bit of myself into it Right, because why would I be writing a character if I don't identify, or at least have something I identify in with that character? So I, I think at the end of the day, that you know, yes, we write what we know, but I think we also, especially when you're at the level that Christopher Nolan is, when you're making movies, that you have the budget for two hundred fifty million dollar original film, you also have the budget to bring in and bring in some uh, women writers, um, collaborators who can help build stronger uh, female characters. Uh, and I think that's where they might, he might be failing. Well, not he might be failing. I do yeah. think that is where he's failing might. right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, not in terms of the product he's producing, but in terms of how he's going about it. Because yeah. he could he could incorporate more diversity into it. Because you know what? Like I said, it's hard, but writing is hard. So yeah, gotta, right. Writing know, is hard no matter what. And yeah. so, you know, we got to, you know, we got to fucking do it you know it's not an excuse that it's hard to write a strong female character because other other male directors can do it 
Yeah, Man, other, we yeah. don't know. We don't know that he can't. And he women write excellent male characters all the time. So true. Yeah. So all the time. see, but I think, and, and this isn't again like this is hard to talk about because it's like like you're saying, Cameron. I don't want to come off like offensive stuff like that, but like I think it might be easier in that aspect to write male characters because of the fact that that's all we've seen on screen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's what we've come to know. I think if we were thirty years down the line and we were just getting into writing, it, we may be at a point where a strong female lead is just normal. It's not something that it's like standing out like, oh wow, like this character's a strong female lead. That's just how it is now. Every it, Films are a good mix of male and female leads. And so now that we've been able to see these female characters out there more often and, and we can see the dynamics and the way that they're written, then it's easier to write that character, right? But right now, that's that's not the case. We're actually kind of on the cusp of trying to make that a thing. You know, and trying to help grow that in a way, and so we don't we don't have the ability to look to the past and say, oh, like I'm, I'm kind of using bits and pieces of this character to form this character that I'm working on, or this character. Whereas I think for the other way around, females writing males, because that's been the brunt of media up until you know more recent times, there, there's this almost you know backlog of references that you can, you can look to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think so. I get I get what you're saying, uh, obviously. Um, but I think I think ultimately, finding a perspective that is different than your own when it comes to writing these characters, especially when at the level that he's at, is not hard. No, right. right. And I'm not. I'm not. Like I said, I'm not giving him an excuse. Yeah. No. 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 It's more of a sense of, you know, to that last point. I think, I think the reason it's been so much easier for female writers to write male characters in the in the past is because of the fact that that's all there's been you know what i mean and so that was more specifically to that point not less about the fact about him writing female characters yeah yeah, yeah. for him it was more based off the question i asked you guys earlier which you know do where do you think that line is drawn where it's like a you know do you take this risk because i agree like like these are risks you have to take i am Mm. in the outline phases of something right now that's two female characters i'm I'm, I think I texted you guys the other day. I'm outlining and fully intend on writing Redline. Like, I'm going to run <laughs> with that idea. Yeah. You know, and that's that's based around one female character with a female secondary character. And it's like, it's it's hard. I mean, the outline stages, and it's very hard compared to other things that I've written because it's just not a perspective I'm used to writing. You know, and so it's like, with these big-time directors, you know, like, it, let's say he takes that risk next time and his next film is starring two female characters and it's just not what he's good at he tried it and it just it it fails it it ultimately fails you know do you think he's going to feel comfortable to keep trying that moving on and not just him specifically but any director they try this it doesn't work they go back to their old ways of like this is what i write because this is what i'm comfortable writing well i will argue i will argue there and say if if you can't make a good movie with two if you if you're having an issue making a movie purely because of the gender of your leads you've got a bigger issue yeah i, I mean think, maybe i think that maybe but i'm not I, this yeah it's it's hard to talk about because it's like i feel like i can't completely get across what my point is well yeah. i i guess i i guess i say we look at okay let's look at <clears throat> okay let's look at let's look at christopher nolan movies does the gender of the main character ever 
really, really, really matter. Well, good that's question. what I was about that's to say. Like, question. if I swap, like, specifically think about Inception, as we're talking about this conversation, in my <clears> mind, I was like, if we swap Dom out for a female character, <clears> that film still works. Yeah, it doesn't it's matter. It's still yeah. just as strong of a story. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know the only saying? only one's probably Batman, but that's because it's an established yeah. character. Other right. than uh, if you take him out, then all the other ones, I don't think it matters. I mean, think if you, about if you gender if you gender swap the leads, because. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter in any of them, and I, I, I would have liked to have seen that for some of these, yeah. for sure. And I think, and I think, I, I, I mean, I think, especially us as we're having this, I, I, and like this is something I've always, um, this is a thought I've always had, and something I've always uh, talked about when it comes to this idea of diversity, specifically, you know, um, well, you know, diversity in film in television, um, these movies that like these movies like love simon right i wouldn't necessarily consider love simon a win for diversity because the whole purpose of the show is that he's gay okay you you find real diversity when the identities of the characters don't matter right and not as in like oh well this doesn't matter but where it's just so naturally part of their character that it's not a big deal i think euphoria is 100 percent the best example of dive of diversity done in the absolute best way possible because take um for example jules character jules character is a transgender girl it does not her it does not matter at all that she's transgender that's her character no it is not like this big deal. That is her character, and we love her because of it. Take for example, Rue. Does it matter that you know Rue is mixed? No. The story, the story, of course, takes care of the. Fa- it, it's it, it, you can't. It's it would be irresponsible as a storyteller to not acknowledge those things because obviously the point of view is going to be different from a for a transgender girl than a cisgender girl the point of view of a biracial teenager is going to be different than the point of view of a white teenager and those things are explored in the story but that's not purely what the story is about the you see that you see teenage life and it's about teenage life and you're getting it from these point of views rather than the whole purpose of the story being those specific things in their lives and that's what i think is like what we'll see like what true diversity looks like and we're seeing it a lot more than when we were kind of i hate saying like tokenism but we were getting a lot of tokenism kind of you know films and we're seeing a lot more of these dynamic um these kind of dynamic changes yeah it's changing and so in so in that same way why couldn't exactly right why couldn't you know protagonist and tenant have been a woman that's right? the, probably probably his movie where it's like the most it's li- his name's literally protagonist right, right. could have easily done it yeah um yeah you swapped the becky and and john and david washington you know? absolutely it's, the movie the doesn't change the movie does not change thing. i'm still confused i mean it, yeah. you know when we talk about diversity it's a black man Right, and that you know that obviously is again a protagonist. It's you know typically Christopher Nolan's act. You know leads yeah. have been white men, yeah. and yeah, the fact say, that we could say it, yeah, and the and the fact that you know uh, John David Washington is, does it change the story at all? No, and I think that's obviously again that's what it, you know diversity in Hollywood. I think that's a win, right? So what would would it change if it was a woman? No. no, and so I and so I think you know yes, 
maybe kind of built and, and maybe and maybe you know is it even at fault for saying oh like you know does he he struggles having you know having to build this strong and you know yeah if we're dealing with more of like the nuances of being you know like a woman in society kind of thing that might be hard but christopher nolan isn't writing super nuanced characters in the in the first place right he's writing characters that could be filled kind of by anyone mm-hmm. yeah i think I think where that line kind of comes into play is like when there's very specific experiences that you, you use the perfect word there are very nuanced you know that's like this is only something that a Hispanic male from Los Angeles mm-hmm. would would encounter yeah. a you know middle-aged person female from New York City is not gonna be able to write the same experience because they, do, they simply do not have that experience you know mm-hmm. I mean that's like you said Christopher Nolan's not writing those types of characters yeah he's not writing, those he's, types writing of he's writing the every man yeah. you know and it could easily be the every woman yeah yeah well, uh, then I would like to, I would like to see him try it I think it would be interesting whenever his next project is whatever it may be it'd be interesting to see if he tries it I, I think, think that... his next project's gonna be Tenet just backwards <laughs> It's just the other side. I'd love to see like so I could I could see Issa Rae easily being in a Nolan film. That's an interesting name. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. No, I could see it. I could definitely see real, it. I, it's just she's supremely talented, but it's yeah. just a very random name for you to pull out. Well, um, I was thinking about who I could see like as the next star of a Christopher Nolan movie. I could definitely see Issa Rae. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, that was a great conversation. I think that we had there uh and we gotta start wrapping up here i know we all yeah. got some stuff we gotta get ready for coming up here but before we go it's been a very serious conversation i want to have a little fun before yeah. we close up this episode um you both consider yourselves big christopher nolan fans so what i want to do is go through a little round of trivia oh, and no. see who knows the man a can't little wait bit for better. us to both get all of them wrong yeah <laughs> it's gonna be hilarious um I don't know how many will go. I have a list to go through, um, and I have a prize in mind. Gonna be, but I'm not going to be tragic. I have a prize in mind for whoever gets the most points. Okay. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, You're going to give Cameron his signed DVD? No, <laughs> I'm keeping that. That's my prize. I literally have um, him right here. Have him. <laughs> him. There's the Dark Knight. Isn't that the Isn't that the one from Community? Yeah. <laughs> um. There's Inception. And there's Interstellar. Nice. Yeah, okay. this is about to be real tragic, but All let's right. do this. There's no, there's no, uh, just do not use your computers to look up any answers. Promise. And, and how is this working? Are we both uh, going to give an answer, then you'll say who's who's right, or is it like a, I got it it's gonna, first? Yeah, but like just blurt it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. It's, again, no, no structure to this. I'm just going down the list of, that I have. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Christopher Nolan is a massive fan of the James Bond franchise. Which film in the James Bond franchise is his favorite? Thunderball. Cameron, do you have a guess? Oh no, I think I know what it is actually. If you want to, if you you can change it, if he hasn't said anything yet. Secret Service. That is correct. Yeah. I don't know that. One point for Joel. Wait, are we doing? We're doing like, we just shout out. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was kind of oh, trying to, to find out too. Yeah, so I guess. Yeah. Okay, so we shout out whoever the just, first one. I, I just okay. start yelling out all 24, 25 <laughs> Bond films. Okay. No, you, so you shout out one answer. If okay. you get it right, um, if you get it right, 
You get the point. If you don't, you can keep guessing okay. until somebody else says okay. says an answer. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but what, once the other person says an answer, we're done guessing. Okay. Okay. Um, so following the t- 2002 film Insomnia, Nolan's next project was going to be a Howard Hughes biopic starring Jim Carrey. But he tabled that because another director Scorsese. was Scorsese. Yep. In Martin Scorsese, <laughs> Aviator. Joel gets screwed. <laughs> Very nice. Look, there we go. All right, I like this already. Uh, what is Christopher Nolan's favorite band? Slipknot. <laughs> that is incorrect. Damn it. Uh, the Beatles. It is Radiohead. Oh, oh, so we don't get to keep guessing like you said? No, 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 I said once the other person makes their first oh, guess, we are done. done. Yeah, okay. otherwise we'll be Damn here forever. Cameron, you should have kept going. You oh, okay. Started. <clears throat> How many Christopher Nolan films has Michael Caine been in? Seven. Six. No, Cameron got it right. It was seven. Damn it. Which one did he I did hit? six in a row up until Interstellar, wasn't in Dunkirk, and then he was in uh, <clears throat> he was in Tenet very he briefly. He was in Prestige. I forgot Prestige. Yeah, he's so. in Prestige. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one I didn't count. <clears throat> Christopher Nolan is one of two directors to do three live action comic book adaptations of the same character. Who was the other director and what was the character? Sam Raimi for Spider-Man. Yeah, it's Sam Raimi. But I would yes. like to. Yeah, I would say like to say Sam Raimi and get the answer correct. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Oh, this is a, yeah. I like, I got some. I got a couple more good ones right here. This yeah, one. Yeah, the other be ones easy. haven't been good. This one should be easy. Which film has Christopher Nolan been nominated at the Academy Awards for Best Director? Inception. That's wrong. Oh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. There you go. Yes. I keep forgetting the format of this. I was I was about to like just say Dunkirk and the camera's like, oh Dunkirk. Yeah. Well Cameron's got four points to yeah. Joel's one, but we got a couple more questions, so it's not over yet. Um Yeah, I knew this would be tragic. I did not expect to do well on this at all. <laughs> what is Christopher Nolan's first feature film? Memento. No, the following, following, following. Uh yeah, following, but that's kind of a weird answer because it's only an hour. It was a trick that's a question. Feature film. Yeah, like, it is. No, it is. It is. It is a feature film. How it's and world's shortest so movie. Follow follow up question on that. How much did it cost to make it? At least a dollar. Uh, I think it was like <laughs> forty thousand. Mm. Is it forty thousand, fifty thousand, thirty thousand? Forty one thousand, Bob. This one's tough. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna award points because neither of you got it because it's measured in pounds. Okay. Oh. What was I'll it? say thirty six thousand pounds it's only six thousand so you were oh really close. you know yeah. i so he i i i, thought, I think he like but well okay so there was actually <clears throat> there was actually um also fun fact he financed it entirely himself yeah so i so there were actually rumors well it, the, a story was going around that he took the money from the following to mm. produce memento correct well he's and that is do- incorrect I mean, what is the, uh, what then? What is the correct answer in terms of that? 
It's not one of my questions. So if you he didn't he uh, didn't do that. He said they didn't make any money off of the fall. This is actually a question I asked him. Yeah, he uh, made no money off. He of said that. we didn't, he said we didn't make any money off of it. We didn't put any. He said they barely put any of their own money into Memento. It was financed by producers. He said he said it is a terrible. He said investing in movies at, from a personal standpoint is a terrible business idea. He said you will not make your money back most of the time. There's a reason why businesses are the ones that do it rather than the individual because they have, you know, the tax credit and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, he said the whole, the whole um, narrative that they use the money from the following to finance uh, Memento is a complete uh, falsehood. Okay. Very interesting. Um, can I get a, can I get a point for, isn't the movie just called the following? Technically? Yes, it is called I, following. That's when I was my point. Yeah. Mm, shut up. Um, all right. One actor that Christopher Nolan has never worked with before is Brad Pitt, but he was tapped to direct a film starring Brad Pitt, but he turned down the offer. What was the movie? Is it Ad Astra? Incorrect. <laughs> World War Z. Is that your actual guess? Yes. Okay. It's wrong. The answer is Troy. Oh really? Oh, really? Yeah. WB. He was he was offered and turned it down. Um, okay, I got a couple more. How many Oscar winners have appeared in Nolan films? Not how many between like all of their, but just if they appeared at least once, they count. So how many different actors have won Oscars? Just actors? Been? Just the actors? Four. It's very wrong. That's very wrong. Very wrong. Okay. <laughs> you do know what the Oscars are, right? What? Do you know what the Oscars are? Because that number was so wrong. Was it low? <laughs> Incredibly low. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Honestly, <laughs> trying, to, trying to count it all is going to be so tough that I'm probably just going to take a 12. shot Twelve. I'm going to say 22. Oh, camera was low. You were high. The correct answer is 16. Okay. I had gotten to like seven, and then I was like, yeah. I'm just going to guess. <laughs> yeah. 16 and 14 nominees. So, in a total, that would be 30 Oscar nominees if we're done Nolan films. Um, okay. What two directors, you got to get them both right to get the point. What two directors does Christopher Nolan mark as his inspirations for filmmaking? Ridley Scott and. Joel, if you get the second one, you can swoop in and t- answer both. Francois Truffaut. That's not right. <laughs> uh, Ridley Scott and Steven Spielberg. Nope. Is Ridley it Scott Francis Ford Coppola? Nope. Ridley um, Scott and Albert Hitchcock. Oh, Kubrick. There oh, it is. Yeah, Ridley duh. Scott and duh. Stanley duh. Kubrick. <laughs> yep, there you go. All right. Yeah, that was really easy when I took a second to think about <laughs> yeah, it. There you go. <laughs> um... Christopher Nolan is one of two directors to direct two billion dollar films. James Cameron. Yeah, he yeah. And it was individual directors because the Russos have done it, but okay. they're they're a tandem directing team. Um, okay, I think it's I only have their one. Best work. Who the Russos? Yeah, because yeah. community is. Community is their best work. Um, all right, I think I have one more. I think I won. Oh, you, you absolutely won. Yeah, I was yeah. I was fully expecting you to win. But I want to see, yeah, Cameron. This was set up for you to win. Oh yeah, thanks. Okay, but 
You know what? Actually, you know what? Let's make this interesting. No. Let's don't do it. No, we don't want any of this BS that's like, if Joel gets this right, he wins. No, no, no. It's going to be very intricate. And because Joel is losing, and this is the final question, I'm going to do this question a little differently. Christopher Nolan's list of top 10 favorite films is public knowledge. So what? how we're going to do this is, Joel, you are going to be able to... I keep win. going. You can keep going down the line, and for every one you guess right, you get a point. But oh if you get God. one wrong, you're out. Well, I'll just get it wrong on the first try. Why? That's no fun. Like, no, I'm saying like I will. Like I, I, I'm not gonna know what. I don't think I've ever read his top you ten list. You I, get, actually, I definitely have read his top ten list, but I like I don't I think I can. I don't think can, I remember it. Can you give me? Can you give me one? Two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Can you give me another um, one? Citizen Kane. That is incorrect. There yeah, you go. Blade Runner is on there. Blade Runner is on there. It's 2001 Space Odyssey, <clears throat> The Black Hole, Blade Runner. Is Third Chi- Man on there? Chinatown, The Hitcher, Lawrence Chinatown. of Arabia, mm. On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Star <laughs> oh, Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, The Man Who Would Be King, and Topak. Top, top, top Cappy. There we go. I just want to make sure I said that right. Can't believe he put a new hope on there and not Empire Strikes Back. I know, right? What a pro. I forget everything that I said. <laughs> All right, so Cameron, when you win, you will get your undisclosed prize next time I see you. What is it? Congrats on your third hat. No, you're not getting another hat. What is it? Congrats on your tank top. <laughs> no, those are only that's only for me. I was gonna say that's a Ryan thing. Yeah, that's, that's my proprietary. Look. Yeah. <laughs> I got it made custom for me. Um all right guys. Why is it still small then? <laughs> Uh, all right so that is uh that was our first one in the books on this new series we're gonna do from time to time i thought i thought it was pretty cool i think uh that was a good conversation for us um is there anything else oh wait no i did have one more question i'm sorry this one won't count in the game okay i want to see if you guys get a question no kind of uh what's my favorite christopher nolan movie the dark i would have to say the dark knight it's no Oh, no, no, I know. I know what it is because you Go just ahead. recently watched it for the first time, right? Go ahead, Joel. Prestige. Correct, yes, Prestige. Yeah. Really? I watched, Prestige. I, I watched one. all of his movies during quarantine. I watched them all uh, that I hadn't seen yet, uh, the ones that I, had, that I had missed, and Prestige was my favorite. So when Cameron asked if he could watch an episode of what's it called, uh, the most recent Ted Lasso, and I said – yeah, go ahead. It'll give me time to finish what I'm watching. I have 30 minutes left of Insomnia, which is the last film oh, I have to see. Of oh, okay. Um, I watched Following earlier this week, and I have Insomnia left. To go. Isn't it interesting how Following it's how it's so obvious after seeing Following how much he takes from that movie and puts into all of his other. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's very obvious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like. Every single Christopher Nolan cliche you can think of is in that movie. And, yeah. like, we know that going back, but, like, from the beginning, it's very easy to see all of his work um, is based around how that movie works. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's really it's a really great movie to... Um, I, think, uh, I think Christopher Nolan was a good choice for our first episode of this. I think, uh, I think that worked out really well. And yeah, it, it was a good conversation. To... Honestly, the worst yeah. take that came out of this was you saying that Interstellar doesn't have emotion. Uh, what the hell? No, uh, it doesn't have good emotion. <clears throat> well, that's, that's what I said. Absolute lie, <laughs> but that's okay. Oh. We still care about you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, 
All right, so for whoever we do next, could be an actor, could be another director. Woody Allen. Who knows? Oh, God, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Woody Allen. Um, Another one of these will come down the pipeline in due time. But since we have all three of us together for our next week week episode. Are we going to do recommendations? I think, well, not for this week, no. Um, But I think what we should do for next week's episode is I think we should do another one of our standard episodes. Yeah. Cameron, you are. Your prize is that you get to pick. No, I mean, it is your turn. But uh, do you have something in mind? I do. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, we're going in blind go again. again. Yeah. But I, I like just this. saw that it came on Netflix. Let me check. Let me see if I can guess. I'm going to pick open Netflix. I'm okay. Open Netflix. I'll give you a second. I'm going to open Netflix. I literally saw this yesterday and I was like, all right. I... The Bob Ross documentary. I'm just kidding. Don't. No. Yeah, that's it. Um, where's like the newest the things that are just added i have heard some terrible terrible things about this movie so much so and it's not just me that's heard but a little someone got a little movie taken away from him because of this movie oh oh, oh i think i know i think i know where he's going so we're gonna be watching the book of henry yep yo shit um, okay. i have to say i'm actually very excited to watch this movie just from like a pure masochist kind of point of view because um i've heard that this movie is insane um Mm -hmm. in a bad way yeah so i i'm looking forward to that okay very good all right so look for that next week i think it's book of henry yeah there you go nailed it you know what you know what now joel gets the prize i was going to give cameron oh no Oh, so I get to pick Damn this it. movie? I'm no. Book of Henry. <laughs> okay, very good. Is Over the um, Edge on Netflix? <laughs> it's not. I hope not. Um, all right, guys. That'll do it for this week's episode of the I'd Like a Refund podcast. Of course, you can check us out on all of our socials. Check us out at Refund Pod. We're doing some fun stuff on there for some upcoming things. Surf's and of up course, on Netflix, Ryan. Oh, yeah, Ryan, watch it. I add it to my list. Um, Put it at the top of your list. Yes, sir. I will. Um, and then also, anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those other platforms, you can find the I'd Like a Refund podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.